Welcome to Passion Life Church. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. We are concluding this amazing series that we've called Into the Deep. Into the Deep. We began by following Peter's life. We've been looking at this guy, an ordinary guy, who woke up one day, went to his job, went fishing, fished all night, and then he caught nothing. And that failure of catching nothing resulted in empty nets. And the good thing was, is that Jesus was there. Jesus just so happened to be teaching. And there was so many crowd, people in the crowd that he got into his boat and, and uh, he pushed off. It's interesting because there was only two boats, but Jesus chose to get into Peter's boat. And sometimes we need to allow Jesus to get into our life. Can I hear a good amen today? The boat was his resource. The boat was his business. And he allowed Jesus to get in. And the good thing that he did, because Jesus saw, he saw that Peter had empty nets. He saw that Peter was tired. And he said something that really doesn't make sense. He said to Peter, you need to launch out into the deep. And it didn't make sense because Peter was tired. He was actually cleaning his nets. But you know what's interesting is that Peter didn't know he was actually cleaning his nets for the best catch of his life. And he said, I will do it. And he launched out into the deep. His nets were breaking with fish. And uh, his boat was sinking. And uh, he had to call into his partners. Their boats were sinking. There were so many fish. But we kind of gave a definition to this word deep. This word deep means the secret and the unrevealed purposes of God when you look in the original language. And so Jesus had a purpose in mind for Simon before he changed his name. He had a purpose for him that Simon didn't know about. Jesus, when you think about it, after Peter would have this incredible catch, Peter would then follow Jesus. He would leave even all of that, follow Jesus, right? He would change his name from Simon to Peter. Peter would then walk on water. Peter would understand the love of God. Peter would see miracles, people raised from the dead. Peter would see the risen Savior and interact with him. I have a question for you. How many of you think that if Peter's dream for his life was to be a successful fisherman, that Peter was dreaming too small? If that's all Peter wanted to do in his life was be, uh, oh, I just want to be a successful fisherman. Well, when you look at what Jesus did with his life, I would say, Peter, you're dreaming too small. And my church family, can I encourage you? If the dream that you have is not the God dream for your life, you're dreaming too small. Come on, can I hear a better amen than that? Because Jesus is calling him into the deep. And you may say, well, I don't really have what Peter had. Peter had nothing. He was empty. He had empty nets. But he went from empty to overflowing when he allowed Jesus to get inside his boat. And that's what happens. And so we were just, we were just outlining his life. You know what's funny? I'll just tell you this real quick. Before I got into the series, because I pray and I see you know, what the Lord would have me share with you, and this doesn't happen to me often, but um, before we started the series, I was thinking about, okay, I want to do this series into the deep. Well, one day I sat on my couch and I just opened up my Bible and it just kind of landed. Have you ever done that? Like you just, it just landed and you just looked at it. And what was crazy is like, okay, Lord, do you want us to talk about being in the deep? And so then what happened was I looked at the scripture that it opened up to and it was Daniel chapter two, verse 22. It says, he reveals deep 
and secret things, he knows what is in the darkness. Now, I don't always do that and just kind of open up my, my Bible. You got to be careful because you can open up, you know, you just open it up and go, okay, Lord, what I'm going to read. And it says, Judas hung himself. You know what I mean? And you're like, no, I don't like that. And then you go like this, you come back, okay, go and do likewise. No, you don't want to do, you don't want to just do that. But how many of you know, there's times that, that the Holy Spirit can reveal scriptures to you. And so we need, we need to be open to that. So Peter's going to have some more changes happening in his life. And Jesus, we left off where Jesus had risen from the dead. And, and uh, now he's talking to them because he's going to ascend into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. But wait for the promise of the father, which he said, do you have heard from me from John truly baptized you with water and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times nor the season, which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth. I've entitled this part, part six, as we conclude this series, the power of to be, the power to be. I can only imagine what it was like living with Jesus when he was on the earth in the flesh. I mean, think about it. When you were hungry, he would multiply loaves and fishes. Boom, there it is. You need taxes. You need to pay your taxes. We're in tax season right now. And he's like, go down there, get a fish, open its mouth, and there's our taxes. And that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's right. You get sick. Your mother-in-law gets sick. He heals her. He heals you. There's a pastor's joke that said that's why, Jesus, that's why Peter denied Jesus three times is because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Okay, but that's, that's something different. Think about it. For three years, your friend, Jesus is your provider. He's your friend. Jesus is your comforter. He died, but he rose again like, yeah, but now he's going to be with the father. I don't know what that felt like for these men, but Jesus did. And Jesus wanted to comfort them. And so he said, I'm sending you another comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he could only be at one place at one time because he was in the flesh. That doesn't mean that God was only in one place, but it means that Jesus, while he was on the earth, 100% man, 100% God was in one place. A lot of people ask me, Pastor Phil, wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you like to be alive when Jesus was alive and and, uh, see all the miracles? I said, yes, if you were there. What does that mean? Well, Jesus didn't have a website that you could go see his itinerary. He's going to be at LA Live this week, you know, and buy your tickets. That, that, That wasn't it. Jesus, if you happened to be where he was. And so... But Jesus said, I'm sending you another comforter because I'm ascending and that comforter, that advocate that you're going to have now, he's going to be the same as me. How many of you know it's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit? They are three in one, but they're all equal. Can I hear a good good amen today? And so he said, I'm sending you another comforter. And he says, "Um, but listen, 
And I want you to understand who he's talking to because I think this is really important. He's talking to the big guys. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to John. He's talking to the guys who have been with him. They're all, I'm just like, these guys and what Jesus is gonna say to them, I think it's important that we understand. He said, I don't want you to do any more ministry until you wait for this promise of the Father. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna give you the very power you need to do what I am asking you to do. So watch this. He's telling them you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when he comes upon you, right? I think that that's so important. This is important because, listen, this is God's grace. I'm not going to ask you to do something without me empowering you to do it. I don't want you doing this in your own effort. See, it's hard. It was hard for me before this to try to witness to people. It was very just awkward, very awkward. It's awkward. But what I realized, what he was telling the disciples, he said, I don't want you to do it until you receive the power that the Holy Spirit's going to give you. Because when he gives you the power, watch, you will be a witness. You're not just going to witness everywhere you go, you will be a witness. So it's not this, I'm trying to, you know, I'm leaving tracks on the toilet. So when someone goes and, you know, it's, a, and I, I don't know if I should put a track there, you know, because they're going to be seated there. I'm going to put a track on the urinal. So when somebody, you know, it's like, they're going to read and all that. And, you know, and all of these things that we just get real awkward about. It's not just one time events. What Jesus was saying is he wants your whole life to be a witness. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, here's what happens. Your life becomes what he tells you it can be. But listen, you cannot be what God has called you to be unless you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be it. So here's where people get frustrated because they have good intentions. Pastor Phil, I want my life. I want it to be the light. I want to be the salt. I want to be a good witness to, for, for people. I, I want to do that. But what happens is they haven't received the power to do it. And so Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he says, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? Listen, can I submit to you something? If Peter needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If John, who wrote Revelation, needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. If Peter and John and all those needed it, guess what? Phil needs it. So you may ask, Phil, okay, so when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I got saved, do I have the Holy Spirit? Oh, absolutely, you have the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad you came today. I'm glad you woke up early because I believe the Lord wants to highlight some things. So here's number one. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit does an inner work in your life first. You know, the Bible says in John 16, 8, it says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. So it's an inner work. Everybody say an inner work. So if I were to have, let's just say a bottle of water here, if I had a bottle of water in my hand and I were to drink that, that's like salvation. It's an inner work. But the reality of it is, is that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a difference between drinking water, especially when I'm hot, and then going in and jumping into a pool. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is me jumping into a pool, being totally immersed and totally baptized. So the Holy Spirit, it's salvation. Yes, you have him. It's an inner work, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he comes upon you. Are you tracking with me this morning? And then he says this, when that happens, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Everybody say power. This word in the Greek is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's power. Listen to this. Okay, I think this is going to help you because it's so helped me. It means strength, power, but watch, ability. The root word is a capability. A capability of what? Well, in the Greek, it breaks this down. A capability of what? Moral power and excellence. So you can be saved and still be struggling with things because your mind is not saved. You still have habits, but something happens when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. One of the ways that you become a witness is morally in your life. See, when Jesus comes into your life, he brings his holiness. He brings his righteousness. But you and I have to walk it out every day. But what I have found with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it empowers you to live that holy life. Can I hear a good amen? Everybody look at me today. I'm going to tell you honestly, you cannot, I know this is funny, but let me, let me, let me unpack this. You cannot live a holy life without God. You cannot live a holy life without allowing the Holy Spirit to live in you. That's religion. That's where people get frustrated. They can't keep the letter. They can't. They can't. I know you can't. That's why you need the power that the Holy Spirit brings. But this is what I love. Jesus is going to give you what you need to do what he's asking you to do. You don't have to do it by yourself. And so this is why so many people quit on God because they're like, I'm trying, Pastor Phil, I'm doing, I know, but you need the power to do it. There's a difference between you putting gas in your car and driving than walking. And have you ever seen somebody who ran out of gas and they're on the street pushing their car? Your cars were not meant to be pushed. Your cars were meant to be driven. And that's what I think about when I think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you get saved, it's like Jesus gives you a car. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he puts the gas in the car to make it work. Can I hear a good amen today? You know, this week, uh, somebody came up to me and we were talking and they were talking about a situation that I went through uh, probably about, gosh, I don't know, four years ago. And uh, one of the things that they never told me in Bible college is they told me how, you know, the symbolism of I'm a pastor, like I'm a shepherd. And then, you know, then I'm a, we're a sheep, we're God's sheep, but then I'm a pastor and you're a shepherd, you come to the church, you know. But one of the things they didn't tell me in, in, in Bible college is that sheep can bite you. You're over there loving them. And boo, they can turn around. And so I didn't know. Now, I'm going to tell you, I had to get over a lot of expectations, bad expectations as a pastor. And one of them was like, listen, nobody's ever going to leave our church. Because you know why? We're going to love them. I mean, we're going to love them so much where we squeeze them and just love comes out. And we're going to love people. And we're going to care for people. And and we're going to do our best. And we're going to go after people. Uh, Didn't happen. You know why? Because people are imperfect. And for some people, it doesn't matter how much you love them. They are toxic. I'll tell this side over here. It doesn't matter how many times you can love people, but you know what? Some of them just want to remain toxic. I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm talking about people. So anyway, we were talking about a situation and they had brought up some people and, and I'll just tell you the gist of it. Um, 
but they were some friends of ours. Um, and so it's funny. If you want to be close to me as a pastor, serve on our team. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm here early. I'm closest to the people who serve in this ministry. That's just the reality of it is. We're here late. We're here early. We're here after everybody leaves. So they become my best friend. And if you want friends, you want to get connected, come help serve with us. Because we're not just a people who serve. We're a people who have relationship, and then we serve together. Does that make sense together? And so, anyway, I'm clo- I'll always be, that's one of my, Josh is one of my best friends. He's the director of operations at our church, and he does, he's, he's amazing. But when we get together, you know, we're not just talking about astronomy or something. We're talking about the things of the Lord, because that's what I'm about, right? And if you're not about that, hey, that's cool, I love you, but that's what I'm about. And so, some people, they step down from everything, and they said, hey, we're just busy, and oh, great, love you. You know, hope you come to church. So they were coming. And I still, when I could, I hung out with them. They had a a Super Bowl party, went to their house. But all of a sudden, I started hearing these rumblings from other people that I wasn't as close to them as possible as I was. That was true because they had gone on vacation. They were barely a church now. And I'm sorry, but I can't keep up with everybody all the time. So anyway, with that being said, they started to get upset. And the rumor was that they were leaving the church. And the rumor was that they said, when we leave the church, we're taking about 20 people with us. And I said, oh, okay, wow, that's, that's, that's Christ-like, right? That's very Christ-like, uh, you know. And uh, that sounds to me exactly what the devil does, doesn't he? Like, he's like, you know, if I'm unhappy, I want a third of the angels coming with me. Come on, we're, and uh, I'm going to exalt myself. Okay, whatever. So anyway, to make a long story even longer, no, I'm kidding. To make a long story short, um, this person was telling me last week, remember so-and-so, whatever? And I was like, I, I try not to, but yeah, I, I do remember. I'm kidding. I said, yeah, I remember. And I said, it was very unfortunate, you know? And they looked at me and they said this, and listen, I, this is not a humble brag. This is not. I'm just telling you what they said. They said, pastor, I was watching you. See, people are watching how we react in these situations. And they said this, do you know what really blessed my life? is that in all of this, you were Christ-like to them. And I thought for a minute about this. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in you. Because old Phil would want to, I want to go cray-cray on them. But I can't, because then they're going to call the popo. <laughs> Pastor gets arrested as people try to leave his church. She said, you acted like Christ. And I thought that for a minute, and this is a humble brag. I thought, Lord, look what you've done in my life. Because I didn't react the way I could have in my flesh. But my church family, here's what I'm saying. That's not Phil. That's the power of the Holy Spirit allowing me to have, look, that's the definition. Watch, a moral excellence in times when people are throwing things at you, saying things at you, because before I would go home, suck my thumb, get in the fetal position and go, everybody hates me, God. I'm such a failure. The Holy Spirit is like, I give you the power to stand up under persecution. I'm going to give you the power, watch, to be a witness even when things are not going like you thought they would go. There's a power that is beyond you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you know what we do? We forgive them and then we bless them. And then we say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Come on, somebody. 
But what I'm saying to you is in my own strength, I cannot act that way. In my own strength, I want revenge. In my own strength, and, I, and rightly so. But you know, that's what, it's a moral power excellence. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live a holy life, right? Here's another definition of this word power. The power for performing miracles. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said that these signs will follow them that believe. How many of you believe today? See, a lot of us in this room, we've received miracles and we're a little bit intimidated sometimes to pray for people or to say, but Jesus said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father. But listen, he's not just saying you, he's saying a you that is empowered to be the witness that he's called you to be. And my church family, everybody look at me, this is the missing ingredient for all of us. You can't break the pornography addiction by yourself. You cannot break certain addictions by yourself. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, my church family, I'm telling you, you have the moral excellence and then you have the power not only to break through, but now to help other people and see them healed and see them restored. Come on, give him a good clap if you... And so here you have a fisherman, this guy, and the Bible says this in Acts chapter four, verse 23, these disciples, these ordinary people, it says now when they saw the boldness, everybody say boldness, because that's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Phil, I'm just so shy. Well, you need the Holy Spirit. I've never had the Holy Spirit go, well, you know, I wanted to touch your life, but I'm shy. Actually, the characteristic of the Holy Spirit is boldness. Listen, I love shy people. But let me just tell you something. You need to get over yourself. Because to walk in the room and think that everybody's thinking about you is a lot of pride. Shyness is a form of secret pride. Where you walk in the room and what is everybody thinking? Can I just tell you? Because we are so prideful, we're not thinking about you. We're thinking about ourselves. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to tell you, in my life, if, if, if I would... Take a moment and start to think about how much my hair look right now. How does this jacket look? How do we look? Man, am I thin? Do I look as thin? Do I look as healthy? I would never do anything. I would talk myself out of everything. But can I tell you something? It's not about me. It's about what God can do through me and in me. And if you don't like the way I look, you can pray for my mama because she gave me birth. And you know what? If you don't like the way I look, you can talk to my daddy in heaven. So let's stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about other people because you have the power of the Holy Spirit to do miracles. And when they saw these fishermen and these disciples, these were other people talking about them. They said this, we saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, but they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now here's something you need to know about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 verse 14 said, Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit will always glorify me. Jesus, when he came to the earth, if you want to know what God is like, look at what Jesus did on the earth. We have a picture of a person in flesh, God in flesh. Does God heal? Look at Jesus. Did Jesus heal? Somebody said the other day, he didn't heal everybody. He didn't heal everybody that didn't come to him, but he did heal them all, everyone that came to him. So you can come or you can stay. It's up to you. 
Did he heal them? Did, people, did Jesus restore people? Yeah, so that's what the Father's about. So how, in this world of the Holy Spirit that we talk about, how can we quantify what the Holy Spirit's doing? We look at Jesus's life, right? And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's always gonna glorify me. In Acts chapter 17, it was said about these ordinary disciples. Listen to this, my church family. Ordinary guys, fishermen, tax collectors, other people were saying this about their witness. These are them that turned the world upside down. Now I'm gonna draw a line in the sand today. We can either complain about the world that we're called to change, or we can get on the other side where Peter, John, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is, and we can be of those that turn the world upside down because we have the power to change the world. My church family, listen, if you're here today and this is your first time and you want a little 45-minute sermon, right? Not a 45-minute sermon. I watched a church the other day. It was 45 minutes, the whole service. One song of worship, you know, one minute of offering and then the rest, and then we're out. Listen, this is probably not the church for you. Can I just say that? There's other church. What we are doing here is we want to raise world changers for the kingdom of God that are empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the community. And Sunday needs to be a pep rally of what God is doing. Can I hear a good amen today? That you come in on Sunday, we're like, let's go, let's go. And then you get up on Monday, not like, oh, it's Monday. You get up on Monday. I can't wait to get to work. I didn't get an amen on that, but it's probably too early anyway. You left me out there all by myself. That's all right. Me and Angie will change the world. But it's empowerment to witness. I'm going to wind this down here in a couple hours, so just hang tight. No, listen, this is what's crazy. Peter, a man, just, I don't know the timetable, two weeks, denied Jesus three times. And now this same guy with the power of the Holy Spirit is going to stand up and 3,000 people are going to give their lives to Jesus denied him in his own strength three times. But when this same guy gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, now he's talking to 3,000 people. It's a big change. And they give their life to Jesus. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, see the Holy Spirit comes in you for you, but he comes upon you for others. So you can be the witness. So you can be that witness. You can be the witness. You can do it. Peter's life became a witness. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now here's something else that happens. This was an outcome of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are glad that you woke up a little bit early today? All right. Here's number three. Now the result of being filled was they were speaking in tongues. Now today what I'm gonna do, because so many people get weird about this, and it's, it's awkward about, it's, it's not an awkward thing. Every gift that the, the Lord gives us, the Bible says it's perfect. It's a perfect gift for you and I. So I want you to know Acts chapter two, verse four, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happened? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let me just tell you what happened. 
when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Bible says there was a sound like a mighty wind. There was fire, right, that was above their heads. And when they came out, they began to speak in other tongues. But it was different dialects. In other words, they were speaking what the Holy Spirit was saying to them in a spiritual language. And what God was doing, he was translating it into different people's dialects. So there were many people that day. And when they all came out, they're like, man, they're speaking in my dialect. It's like if you're, if you're Hispanic and you walked up there and you see Peter up there and all of a sudden he's talking in Spanish. You're like, what? This guy. And then they made, they're, they're from Galilee. They're Galileans. And Galilee, you know, in that whole Nazareth thing, that area, if people weren't like, yeah, those people are just not, you know, they're not that educated. Not, they're, they're, but look at them. Peter's speaking. They're all speaking different languages. My church family, the Holy Spirit can do that. He can translate us when we speak in tongues into different dialects. I've heard testimony after testimony of pastors going into different nations of the world, praying in the spirit. And someone would walk up and say, I didn't know you knew our language. And they said, I don't know your language. I was just praying in the Holy spirit. And guess what happened? That person understand God translated it. And so the Bible says that when the Holy spirit had baptized them, one of the results was they spoke in tongues. Now, there's another time when Paul, and if you read in Acts chapter 19, verse 6, it says this. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost came to them and they spake in tongues. Paul asked some people, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said no. And he laid their hands on them. As soon as he laid their hands on them, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what was the result? It was speaking in tongues. And for this last couple of moments that we have together... I want to kind of bring the cookies on the lower shelf so, and put them on the lower shelf. I want to put the cookies on, a, on the lower shelf so everybody can have some. What is this? Why is this so weird for people? Why is, is people like pushed back on this? I want to tell you, my church family, this is the missing ingredient in your life. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to give an altar call. We're going to pray. We'll let everybody be dismissed and needs to be dismissed if you already have it. But now I'm going to ask if you want to be baptized today in the Holy Spirit to come down, we're going to just pray for you. But I want you to see the purpose of what this does. All right. Here's four reasons why speaking in tongues is so important. Number one, the Bible says our spirit prays. Your spirit prays. So what does that mean? Your spirit praise, but you are praying for much, a much deeper place than your intellect. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 14, verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, what does it say? My what? Come on, say it. My what? My spirit prays, but my understanding isn't fruitful. So watch this. If you are not baptized in the Holy spirit, now I'm baptized in the Holy spirit, but listen, this really challenged me because most of us are living the soul-led life, not the spirit-led life. And so everything and all the decisions that we're making are coming from our own intellect. And we're making it, we're trying to get wisdom, which is great. But can I just tell you, what if we could pray for a much deeper place from the, our spirit and not just our soul? Can I tell you, our lives would be different. This really challenged me. I want to live a spirit-led life, not just a soul-led life. I don't want to live a life just by my feelings and what I think is good. How many of you know not every good idea is a God idea? 
Can I hear a better amen than that? And I thought about this. It really convicted me on the inside because I'm like, I'm so into this sometimes. I'm just so into it. It doesn't make sense here. My church family, it doesn't make sense when you have a boat and you catch nothing and you failed. And God's like, Jesus like, launch out into the deep. Why? I've already failed. It doesn't make sense. But when you do what he says, you have the best day in your whole business. I want to live from this, not from this. And so Paul tells us that when we pray in tongues, we're praying our spirit prays. You, that's actually the real you because you are a spirit. You have a soul and your body is the temple. If you've ever been to funerals, you see the body there, but without the spirit, it's dead. And so now there's a place of prayer from your spirit. Now, this is important. First Corinthians 14, two, it says for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. So there is a personal prayer life of speaking in tongues. Notice they speak to God. This is not public. That's the gift of tongues. For that, you would need an interpretation. But listen, this is you praying in the Holy Spirit. You praying and you begin to pray and you pray straight to God. Not even the enemy can understand. You pray straight to God. Here's number two. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, why it's vital you speak in tongues. Listen to this. It builds you up. It builds you up. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That word edify in the Greek means charge up to build up. Listen, everybody look at me. There's going to be days that there's not going to be anybody around you to encourage you. That's why even in the old Testament, the Bible says that David had to encourage himself in the Lord. But the Bible tells us when you begin to pray in the spirit, guess what happens? It's lifting you up. It's edifying you. So I'm at a point now, I used to preach again, don't set a timer, just pray. And and listen, do that. Just pray. Don't worry about the time. But here's what I'm doing now. I'm setting the clock and I pray in the spirit at least 30 minutes every single day. Why? Because I could pray with my mind, but why just pray with your mind when you can allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you? And so every day, 30 minutes, I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit and it builds you up. Have you ever had one of those days where you wake up and you just feel funky and you don't know why? Most of the time we blame our age, right? Well, now I'm 52. Oh, yeah. oh my knee. Oh, I don't know what happened. The back of my ear hurts. I don't know what's going on. Have you ever had one of those days where you're just functified? You're just, you don't even know why things seem like they're good. You know what I do a lot? I push, I pray until something happens. I pray in the spirit, you know what? And I just build myself up. Jude says this in Jude one twenty. he says, when you pray in the spirit, you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. This is the missing ingredient. Pastor Phil, I just sometimes I don't feel like I have faith. You have faith because Jesus gave it to you. The Bible says that he's given us all a measure of faith. But if you'll start praying in the spirit, it will build you up. My church family, I honestly believe it's impossible to be, listen, baptized in the Holy Spirit and be depressed. You, if those feelings of depression and things start happening, you need to start praying in the spirit. You need to start building yourself up. Can I hear a good amen today? You build yourself up praying in the Holy Spirit. Here's number three. The third reason it helps us is because when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we pray when we, it, the Holy Spirit prays and helps us pray when we don't know what to pray. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Everybody say weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings that cannot be other. So this, this is why we call it speaking in tongues. There's groanings that the Spirit does. It doesn't sound like you. This is where people get like, well, you know, listen, can I just tell you, you need to let go of being a control freak of your whole life. Get out of this sometimes. And sometimes I need to get out of this and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me. And here's what he says. He'll help you in your weakness. That word weakness in the Greek means infirmities. It means, watch, the want of strength in your body. Watch this. Are you ready? It's to restrain corrupt desires. I believe true deliverance is not just, I don't want to look at that anymore. True deliverance is, I no longer have the desire to do it. And you know what the Bible says? He will help you in your weakness. He will help you in your weakness. Everybody say this with me. There is help. There's help. God can break it if you'll allow him to. But when you don't know what to pray, you pray in the spirit. You know, oftentimes I'll be praying for somebody just in my understanding, the Bible talks about, Paul said he prayed in both. Lord, I pray that you heal this person. I'll pray. And then I'll begin to pray in the spirit because sometimes I don't know what the situation is. In my mind, I can only think certain thoughts. But oftentimes what will happen is as I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, a thought will come to start rebuking depression over that person's life. And then it's like, okay, everything makes sense. The reason why they're sick is because they're depressed. I didn't know that, but guess what? The Holy Spirit knows that. And he will reveal that to you. Why? Because your spirit starts to pray. Can I hear a good amen today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And he will help to restrain those corrupt desires. And let me just say this. Here's the implication in the Greek. The Holy Spirit takes a hold together with you against your weakness. Against your weakness. So it's not just you trying. You have the power of God with you coming against all of those things. And here's the last one for today. If the worship team can come up. Here's the fourth reason. The Holy Spirit will pray the perfect prayer that needs to be prayed in those moments. You know, sometimes we run out of thoughts. I don't know if you've ever done that when you're praying. You just don't know what else to pray. Can I just encourage you to start praying in the Spirit? Because here's what God does. You are a spirit. And his Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. So when you begin to pray... His Holy Spirit begins to pray the perfect prayer for that situation that needs to be prayed. So it is literally God praying through you as a vessel so you can articulate and speak in faith what needs to be spoken when your mind doesn't have the intelligence to to do it. You have the power by the Holy Spirit to begin to pray the perfect prayer. My church family, this is the missing ingredient for our lives. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be able to speak in other tongues. And I'll tell you what, you can walk away and go, man, Pastor Phil, this is kind of weird. I, I don't, I don't, that's fine. And you just keep living your own life, 
trying in your own strength. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to want to quit. And you may want to quit to the whole point that you just finally surrender and say, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. And that's when things changed. You know, Paul said something. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. I just want to encourage you, if Peter needed it, Peter spoke in tongues, Paul spoke in tongues, you need it too today. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.